Hello, welcome to Beyond Parenting. My name is Beth Hardy and I'm here to talk to you about parenting, what it means to you and different ways of looking at it. You may have broken free of the chains of the cycles that have been passed on to you from your family of origin, but are you stepping in the direction which is supportive of where you want to be? So we examine all things from things to do with partners, teenagers, younger kids, blowing your top, self-care and more. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Here we go. Hello, welcome to Beyond Parenting. I'm Beth Hardy and today we're talking to Michelle Kavanagh. She talks about the fact that when she was pregnant and before she had a vision of how things were going to be and then was um, trumped by her child who didn't fit into this vision. So this is all about her journey through that and how she managed her experience. I hope you have fun listening to Michelle. It was some really interesting insights into her experiences and um, yeah, enjoy. So Michelle, thank you so much for coming. Um, I'd love to know a bit about how you got into being a parent, what that journey looked like for you and what it's been like since having your child. Okay. Um, so I think people talk about the first four months, don't they, is the third trimester. And I think I certainly had that. Um, it was, I, I was very keen to like breastfeed uh, my daughter. And um, I think the first first part was essentially trying to to learn to do that. And the kind of mm. intensity of that being that as a mum, that's that your job essentially isn't it um yeah you're a milk <laughs> you're a milk provider <laughs> yeah exactly and then because you're doing that that um you have less time to do other things and obviously it's when when you've been when you when you haven't been a mum and then you suddenly become a mum I think that was very marked it was the 24-7 kind of um 24-7 like people say that it's 24 7 and obviously it is 24 7 but I think until you get there and you realize gosh it really is 24 7 it really is and like you you can't have a break because it's physically impossible at that stage isn't it yeah I think I think initially because um I thought it was going well and then it didn't go as well um and she was losing some weight I I lost a little bit of confidence I did I became quite anxious really um, about, wasn't just about feeding, it was also about um, sleeping because um, essentially my, what I'd envisage would happen with her sleeping and what actually happened were, were two different things. Okay, so what, was had, your, what was your vision? <laughs> well, I'm a healthcare professional, so um, <laughs> you know, I talk about kind of, um, you know, safe sleeping and sleeping in a cot and so on and so forth. And I think by day four, neither of us really had had any sleep <laughs> whatsoever. Um, and she came into, uh, Pete and I decided to um, sleep in different rooms so that at least one of us was kind of functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, so she came into my bed and for the first few days I thought, 
I don't I, I don't tell him because <laughs> I don't feel like that's what what should be happening um right. so, so then I told him and he said oh that's that's okay you just got to do what you've got to do haven't you really and then I thought okay fine well we need to we need to make this as safe as possible um so when you made this sorry Michelle just jumping back a little bit you made you obviously yeah. made a decision um to have her in your bed was that decision like in the middle of the night when you're at the end of your tether or was it like a conscious decision in, mm-hmm. in a day or something it was I am either going to fall asleep on her um or we need to be mm. together essentially um and that had never even occurred to me as a kind of thing I thought I just assumed that you, you I don't know that a baby would sleep in a cot and that would be the end of it really um and then obviously it didn't work like that maybe some babies do and that's fine and but I think I quite quickly realized that I'm not um I couldn't let her cry right um, and therefore um like leaving in a cot to cry to go to sleep is not something that I could do I'd not even thought about it to be honest it's not um it wasn't a conscious thought but I just thought I don't feel like I've got any other option in this because right. I don't want to I don't want to leave her to cry I don't want to um I you know I I need to get some sleep because this is not sustainable essentially well that's um, right and what you were saying is like you didn't want to fall asleep on her and I I remember going back um when my eldest was in my arms and it was quite a while ago and I'll, I'll show my age here because I was the, to try and keep myself awake I was playing snake on my phone <laughs> that's where we were at okay. yes <laughs> so that was what I was doing something to try and keep me awake and like snake's not going to keep you awake I'm sorry no, but so then we started talking about how can we make it safe mm. um so we ended up, we've got an attic room that's got quite a lot of space because it spans the entirety of our house. So we put two, um, well, we had two double mattresses at that point, um, one of which was brand new. So um, I gave the double mattress for Eva that was brand new and we had our old mattress and we put them together. Mm. And then I'd, I'd roll onto her mattress, feed her and try and roll, you know, and, and generally roll back until I started work and then I thought actually she's big enough now and I just need to max I can't be keeping myself awake until we finish the breastfeeding I'll, mm. I'll if I if I end up being there then I end up being there essentially I think it just evolved over time essentially so she's never she never slept in a cot she mm. always slept on a double mattress <laughs> and then we just when she got old enough we just moved it to a bed um and I jump in bed with her so she will um at night time we go to sleep together um and then if if she gets the point where she's taking up the entire bed I just be back to Pete um and that Mm -hmm. often happens then sometimes she comes in with me and he goes to her bed so it's just this don't you with my (laughs) with my um my middle daughter she was like she was quite small but she took up so much room she was like a starfish every possible angle or she'd get her body like level like this with the pillows and just shove Mm -hmm. heads Mm -hmm. and like do everything she could 
yeah so I think we've as a family we've kind of grown into that and we just um essentially do and we always have actually do what maximizes sleep um and essentially maximizes well her comfort essentially because I think if you're happy you're likely to fall asleep essentially you know if you feel comforted and uh, content and that's essentially how we do it just thinking about your obviously your position um as a healthcare worker and how this decision um is potentially perceived is it something you ever discuss at work with anybody or is it something you kind of deliberately sorry don't don't discuss um I so I do like the postnatal and um baby checks at work so I I see a lot of the six Mm. to eight week um babies um and I think so so often we don't talk about it to be honest um but but if it were to come up then there is like the I think it's the lullaby trust have like the seven sleep um safety things that you can Mm. do to I think it's essentially if you if you do choose to do that then it's kind of maximizing the safety of it um and I think um you know, I think, well, I think my mind's essentially changed that that people, you know, have slept together for millennia. Mm. Um, and it's only over the last, you know, X amount of years that it's even become a thing. So I, I, I try not to, I don't try not to talk about it, but I, I don't really impose my opinions on people in no. that context. But if it, if it were to come up, I'd suggest the, the yeah. um, lullaby trust. Um, yeah. And and I think there's also I feel like there's a lot of kind of guilt as to what you certainly for me there was as in what I would like to have happened and what actually happened and I thought if I can like minimise that with a a new mum then I think that's very important because I think we I think we often all completely beat ourselves up sometimes yeah. about, about things and I think um, essentially sometimes it's about doing what's right in that moment and getting through you know that period of time as opposed to you know thinking too much in advance as to what what might happen and so and so forth yeah creating like this vision of the perfect family um progress journey and like where you want where you want it all to hit at different points and it's like it's quite unrealistic when you know when you put living breathing actual people into that model that you kind of are projecting out isn't it yeah essentially that the people that have opinions and preferences and all Mm -hmm. this and then then you realize that actually um this vision is 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 often unattainable isn't it in terms of (laughs) yeah um, achieving what you you would like essentially you're not the only person in the equation so Definitely. And when you are stuck in those cycles of of feeling like, oh, I don't want to do this because it's outside of my vision. It's outside of what I've been told is the right thing by Mm. society or whatever. It can be really hard to then actually be like unpick what it is that's going on for you and start to make the decision that's right for you. Like you made the decision. Look, sleep is essential. I need to do whatever I can to do that because otherwise, how am I going to function? Yeah, exactly. I mean, how are you going to fulfill all the other needs they might have? Exactly. Without exactly. being ridiculously crabby and awful. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
after making that shift, did you face any backlash from colleagues and stuff if you got into discussions about that at work? Or was it? No. Um, I think, I think, I, I, I don't know if it's me or if it's, but I, I've not really had any backlash that is, I don't know if it's just I don't care or or if I've just had no backlash. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so no, I don't think I had any backlash with that. I think um so so going back to the breastfeeding thing, I think I've had a little bit of um some with that a little bit. Um so I've I've had Eva until she was three. Okay. Um and I think that was increasingly um kind of frowned upon by society essentially um not all all but um you know some people were very positive about it but even even women that had breastfed alongside you know in the younger days they were starting mm-hmm. like oh well you know in terms of you don't have to be too attached and all of this kind of stuff and I thought okay whatever I just um so or um my mum saying oh we, we went to a christening um oh you can't feed in the church what my mum's not even religious but she's what 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 would god say and I thought well I don't really care <laughs> um, <laughs> you know this is this is my daughter and and she needs me currently that's it I don't care I, I don't care no. um so, so maybe it's my attitude I think essentially that um I think after four months so four months was a big turning point for me um so as a both in kind of breastfeeding and also in terms of becoming a mum so um my my um my partner's family are Polish um and when they came when she was two weeks we essentially all got diarrhea and vomiting um because she just had the rate of virus and and we well we got unlucky (laughs) so they went back to Poland and I and I um you know palmed them off with paracetamol and so and so forth and um so I said to them well I'll I'll bring her to Poland um so that you can you know you can spend a bit more quality time whilst we're not all like trying to you know keep our insides together <laughs> literally literally <laughs> literally yeah so I went to Poland and I went to Poland um when she was four months and I hadn't um appreciated how difficult that could be um one because I didn't speak Polish at that point and two because um I hadn't anticipated what my how my relationship might change with his mum um she was fine but it was me that changed and I was looking for her approval essentially and I was looking for Mm. lots of people's approval in terms of um doing the right thing as a parent am I doing am I doing a job that's acceptable am I bringing up this grandchild exactly and yeah yeah and then and then although Poland's not a million miles away from England in terms of culture there were a few cultural aspects in terms of they very very much um expect the children to be very wrapped up um and I was not keen for either to be very very wrapped up <laughs> now I was worried about her overheating essentially mm. and, and all of these other things and then I was you know I didn't I was still worried about breastfeeding. I was quite anxious about lots of things at that point. Um, 
and I ended up feeding her some um, bottle, you know, kind of um, formula milk at that point. Mm-hmm. So then came back and I, I said, I can't do this any longer. I'm going to put her on formula. Um, had a little bit of a meltdown. And and then I just I, after that, I just thought, I, I don't want to be doing this, actually. Um, and we went back to breastfeeding and I thought my entire overnight, it's like, like something snapped. Um, and I just thought essentially there's it's either me or her at this point I need I need to leave or she needs to leave or I need to kind of get on with this and do it my own way um and I just thought yeah okay I you know I don't I think this is not my personality I'm not like this okay so sorry I'm just a little bit confused on the story no no it's okay (laughs) (laughs) it's all right so when you were saying I need to leave or she needs to leave you're referring to your mother-in-law is that right no, no, I'm no, referring to your child. Right? I'm referring to myself. I was, I, was, I was so like not myself. Yeah. That I felt I was either I need to leave because yeah. because the mother-in-law was fine. She she yeah. was she was you know um, she she didn't do anything that was untoward at all. Mm. She was fine. It was me. It was how I was. I was like I don't know. I was trying to like looking I've never looked really for a lot of kind of um approval as such or or kind of you know looking at what other people think so much as when I became a parent um and I got back from Poland that weekend and I thought this cannot continue I cannot keep looking at what I can't keep going on the internet I can't keep um asking people what they think essentially I've just got to do it my way and that's that's good enough um so that was your turning point and is, yeah, so is that where it. you you went from you'd been trying formula feeding was that whilst you were away yeah I think I just yeah. got so stressed and um and then I came back we had a bath together um everything just kind of calmed down a bit um mm. Um, and I tried doing a bit of mixed feeding and then she wasn't taking the formula. And then I thought, oh, well, OK, it's good enough. <laughs> and then I thought, I'm going to do three days. I'm not going to monitor any of this. I'm not going to I'm just going to like just feed without even thinking about it. Um, I'm just going to essentially just be and enjoy it. Mm. Um, and if she's fine after three days, I will continue not not looking at how she's feeding or anything. And I just changed it. I literally just changed overnight. I can't <laughs> I, I can't really explain it other than that. I just it was a complete mindset and I thought I'm going to be the parent that I want to be. Right. Essentially. Um do it my way and and be proud of it essentially. I don't care. Um that's really interesting the journey you went on there that you were you went from being like a capable adult you're doing a a really um difficult job and then all of a sudden overnight you're 24 7 like doing this childcare parent thing which is completely overwhelming and you're immediately going out to seek out more information it kind of makes me wonder whether it was um maybe because you were potentially 
a healthcare professional and used to always getting the best evidence-based information in order to make the best decision right and so it kind of makes me think that that might have been your mindset going in and then actually no you're realizing that all that stuff doesn't actually tell you what about your child and you no exactly and also I kind of just thought there's so much information out there in this um era and conflicting as well and and also not only on the internet when people come Mm. they will tell you one thing and then they'll tell you next thing and um you know and I I just thought well actually I had a school friend that that's a teacher and she said um (laughs) this helped actually it sounds a bit ridiculous but she said there are many children at, at school that essentially have Um, she maybe phrased it in a slightly um, rude way but she said there are many children at school that essentially have got a very poor upbringing and have kind of dragged themselves up and they're okay you know and I and she said well essentially you know Eva has got you too and she's already got a better start than you know most or or a good chunk of um, children so forget it just just relax essentially and I thought yeah I think that's that's definitely a really helpful thing to say young mum like a a new mum you know that that you're good enough essentially um and that's okay do you know that's it Michelle like that's that's part of what I'm all about with my with my coaching is helping people to recognize that they're they're okay and they're good enough whatever they're doing and all those people who are questioning what they're doing as a parent that literally makes them an amazing parent because they're actually asking themselves a question about, am I doing a good enough job? And here or there, they're going to make mistakes or do something that is less than optimal, you Mm -hmm. know, or maybe a lot of the times, but actually that's not really that important. The most important thing is that you are listening at least some of the time to your child and supporting their needs. Yeah, Yeah, I, I feel that very strongly actually because we get so tied up don't we in like what people like trying to be that best possible version of ourselves like be the best oh well I could have done that better if I'd have given it more time and thought I could have done I could have made a better decision um and it's not helpful because then it's drilling into our lack of confidence in ourselves and then that makes and I think you know things get in the way don't they so um you know, work, relationships, um, just just general life, isn't it? Housework, um, you know, doing things to keep things going, essentially. You can't be everything to everybody. Yeah. Um, and you can't always, you know, um, well, play with them all the time or, or, or do anything, you know, you can't do everything 100%, essentially, can you? So, so you yeah. that, you know, it's, it's okay not to be, um it, you know you, you just have to do you do your best essentially that's how I, yeah. I see it. oh definitely and I think you know the whole playing with the kids I think that's kind of a bit overrated I think we've got been pushed into that way of being because of what we've been told we have to be there and present with our children all the time but mm-hmm. even when we're not like doing a productive thing it's okay to not then automatically go and play with our child because we need our our own time and space as well don't we yeah I think that's important so that you're, you're not um like a shadow of your like former self I think it's important that you, yeah. you know, and it maybe changes and that you're not um fully 
able to do exactly the same it, it has to adapt doesn't it but but yeah. not to like um you know be completely and utterly dedicated or different from from your former self I think yeah. that's had to that's had to change as well and um, I'm not there but um um I think I have had to evolve because because um you know I do dedicate quite a lot of time to her essentially mm. and, yeah so what things have you do you feel you have adapted um as she's got older in terms of who you are and how you are with with your daughter I think allowing time for myself so so when she became three um she had um the 30 hours free at nursery and that was a game changer really mm. um and and in part she went she went for some of that time because I think it's good for her I think it's good for her to be social but equally it allowed me time to myself because um often prior to that time it was either I was with her or I was at, at work mm. um so there's always somebody wanting something of me um and I think mm. that was a, a really a turning point for me when I thought actually it's not just for her this this is actually a little bit for me I went running and you know had a time to um you know catch up on other things do things that I like um yeah. not, there's not a huge amount of time is there but um you know it, it's a bit of time um which I think is important I think Pete and I have also tried to kind of incorporate that into our lives having a bit of time to our ourselves so he has a bit of time to himself I have a bit of time to mm. myself because you are um, human beings before and after this this yeah. period of childcare it's like not yeah. being a parent but this period of childcare intense you know you still got to be you at the end of it as well right and like we don't want to have lost ourselves and feel like we're only this and like I think that's what a lot of people might feel when they do get to like empty nest syndrome and stuff if they've completely entirely dedicated themselves to their children then yeah of course they don't know who they are without them no exactly yeah and I think I think as she's grown up as well because obviously it's been a very very young child um there was a period of time where she didn't want to be like well she wanted to be completely on me and then it was about a meter away and then two meters away and then you know um in the same room and then in a different room's okay different level and then she'll go upstairs now so I think I think Mm. things have like um evolved but that's kind of been at her pace essentially but but um that's made a difference um and and we've tried quite hard for um to be fairly equal in in it obviously doesn't it never is like that because I think mums for young children are very important in in general Mm. but I have tried very hard for Pete to like have um time to hit himself with her so that they can build a relationship and and that is even-ish yeah so Michelle you mentioned there um well a while back about the fact that you didn't used to speak Polish but now presumably you do um it would be really nice to hear about your your journey into learning Polish um because I think you um told me before about you learning it alongside your daughter yes yeah we are um so it was never really an intent for me to speak Polish um I support Pete in in the fact that he for obvious reasons wants Eve to speak Polish and I and I and and I thought that was a very good idea um 
and then when she was born I started then thinking well actually I was thinking back to some colleagues that I've had and you know that that are from different backgrounds um and and like how important it is essentially to be to kind of how, know who you are and I think unless you speak a language then it's it's quite hard to then really engage with that that group of people yeah um so I was on maternity leave and I think once I'd got kind of the basics under control I then started thinking well maybe I could help a little bit because there are things that like all children need to learn like will learn essentially you know um mm -hmm. within a language so like foods numbers shapes vehicles and then obviously um it's um it, you know that things essentially started evolving because that I what I hadn't appreciated was that at home when you've got a young child there's very much many things on repeat um and um I started hearing the same things time and time again and I thought oh well, I could say that instead of saying the English um equivalent yeah, yeah. um and then I and I thought after a little while maybe I could maybe I could do this a little bit more so um so I actually started um you know some of the time seeking to learn it for myself and then I thought well essentially we need to make it a Polish environment otherwise um you know so we we put we found things like Netflix and Disney Plus and you know, things that when she is watching some TV, uh, nursery songs, things like that, that would um, kind of make it more whole. And then I thought, well, okay. I, maybe we need to find a community, essentially. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I've started going to like a um, like a Polish baby group as well. So yeah. it's just kind of evolved, essentially. But I, I think it's it's important for us as a family, essentially, to have that. So we do... Pete and I speak English, we speak a bit of Polish together. Um, he speaks exclusively with her in Polish and I do kind of um, kind of hybrid um, what I can. Yeah. Um, and if we're having an adult conversation that needs a lot of, um, you know, a lot of language, obviously we speak in English. So we, we, we try our best essentially and, um, and hopefully yeah. that will um, continue to improve. Um, so yeah it wasn't it wasn't a plan but it kind of it, like most things that I've I spoke about that it kind of evolved over a time mm. yeah so so funny I had lots of visions with um, my about how I was going to be as a parent and stuff and then when I was like when I was doing it I was like oh okay no completely different and then when I had my second child it was like okay everything you already know like you just throw that out the window. I've got to give you a whole new set of rules and ways of being. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. yeah. No, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then third came along and it was like, oh, okay. The whole thing again. I've got to start from scratch. Like I know nothing. <laughs> yeah. I, I suppose that's, that's it. My brother's having a child at the moment and he said, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do it this way. And I said, I think you need to wait until you get the child essentially because uh, I didn't envisage doing something you know I, I think you know if, if I don't know if, if a child's like daredevil um then you, you parent in one way and if a child's like timid and like shy and and you know, scared of doing things you would maybe parent in a different way and I think so you just need to wait until the baby comes essentially <laughs> yeah that's it isn't it and let them guide you because yeah. they're, they're the ones 
yeah they they know themselves don't they or at least they know how to communicate in the way they communicate and we just have to work it work it through and muddle through and find the right answers which um yeah there's no book in the world that can tell you exactly how to look after your own child is there so we just have to find our own formulas each time michelle tell me um what what would you say like presently um is some of your most challenging times as a parent um I think I think certainly the breastfeeding thing was a, a real challenge um but I've already spoke about that um I think some of the long days um sometimes you kind of wake up and things are not quite right for some reason like either you've both had a poor night's sleep or Mm. um you know she's grumpy and and whatever happens um it doesn't quite you know it it doesn't flow the day doesn't flow and I find those days very hard um and and I never like I never I never thought I'd have enough essentially but but I think sometimes I have had enough and I think um that's um now I need a break essentially (laughs) you know at the end of one of those days where it's just not kind of um you know maybe she just needed extra sleep or or you know something just didn't quite fit essentially that that they're they're more difficult days I'd say um what else I think going to back, back to work actually that was a challenge um so I went back to work at nine when she was nine months on a kind of phased return because I didn't feel like I'd be able to go from naught to 100 percent yeah um, in one fell sweep essentially so I I did like one session and I built up um and I was exhausted so I went back in October and I, went, I got to Christmas um and and I, we were going, it was the Christmas that we were going to Poland. And I thought just the thought of going there and planning and packing and all that stuff, it just felt like it was um, too much, really. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to do nothing, essentially. Um, and and then after Christmas, it just, and I'd had a little bit of a break and I'd, I'd kind of got back into the rhythm of work and um, wasn't just, you know kind of I was actually I could I could remember how to do it essentially (laughs) um and I'd kind of got used to leaving Eva as well that things kind Mm. of settled but it did take me it took me from October to you know January to to kind of get back into it really and and be okay with it yeah so so you when you got back into into work did you feel like um when when you were at work did you feel like you were at work as it were in like yeah, in that mode and sort of to a, point, to a point my my parents live close so I'd go home at lunch go to their house at lunchtime okay. um um so I was still feeding at that point so so I there was a pressure in my head about that but but aside of that it was I think it was focusing at focusing at work on little sleep um and well just getting out in the morning I think that was another thing 
<laughs> you know, when you, it sounds ridiculous, but um, it, it would take a long time for, for it to get her out and me out. Um, yeah. I get us all three of us out essentially to to our various places. So. That is um, a challenge by whatever time in the morning. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I, um, you know, you it's a little bit more relaxed on um, when you're on maternity, isn't it? But then um, when you actually have to be at somewhere at a certain point, and it you know it matters. <laughs> it does. It does. So now, like obviously, getting getting her out to nursery and things. Do you have any issues with sort of those transition points of getting her out to um, do? Yeah, it's it's always been an issue actually, um, and it's predominantly because she hates getting dressed, and and right. it's improved. But it's um, so in the like height of the lockdown, um, she wouldn't put a coat on, and it was midwinter, and you know it was just. Um, really annoying because because you know it, it would just cause absolutely it would cause family feuds really. <laughs> just, so how did you handle it? What did you do? Um, I bought her a green coat um, that was um, I, I think it's a trespass coat that's waterproof on the outside, really thick. And I thought I'm just going to buy one coat, and I know she her, at that point in time her favourite colour was green. Um, and I said to her, look, Eva, this is a green coat. You like green, don't you? It's, it's your favourite colour. Um, and she wasn't going to put it on. And then there was something that kind of clicked in her head. And she's like, OK, I'll, I'll, I'll put that on then. And I thought, phew, because <laughs> that I just thought I... I there's, I've, I've battled and battled and battled trying to get clothes on. And I just need one thick, waterproof, all singing or dancing coat that's she might quite like and that was it make up for the lack of layers and things yeah just like yeah. one like really really decent like kind of outdoor coat essentially. yeah yeah and that's so, what I did I think and it sounds ridiculous but it, it was a game changer really in terms of just being able to leave the house essentially in lockdown well you know it is often those little things that you can't you can't predict what they would be and you just have to like find, search around and try and find what the very thing might be to sort the problem out. Did you ever like feel like, oh, for God's sake, can you just put this on? We need to go and feel that like, ache inside. Yeah, yes. Well, because we were taking as long to get out the house as to, to be outside. Um, and <laughs> it was... <laughs> you know there's no option is there to go to a to go wherever in you know and you know maybe compromise there was there was no compromise at that at that point in time no. and it and, and I never ever anticipated that being a thing because I thought oh, I'll just shove her in it and that that'll do um but then it didn't really fit with us <laughs> and it didn't really make any difference it just caused more trouble actually um so then it makes you think, well, what am I trying to achieve, essentially? <laughs> Getting to that question, that is a really important question you just said there, Michelle, because I think so many people um, don't go through that and they have the battles, but they're not ever stopping to go, well, why am I doing this? What, what, what am I trying to achieve here? 
because they're just like, well, actually, I'm trying to get outside. But why are you trying to get outside? Why are you trying to do this specific thing? Is this really important? Can they cope for however long without this or whatever it might be? And starting to, you know, look at it that way, because when we we can be really focused in what we want to do, like initially when you first had her you were like okay I have this vision of how things need to be and then you had to ask that question at that point and that helped you to turn turn things around for your for your journey Michelle I'd love to ask you some um quick fire questions if that's okay so the first question is what is the worst thing about being a parent (laughs) Um, I think sometimes it feels like it's on repeat that's probably what I would say that you kind of go over the same like there's there's lots of really lovely things but but some I think there's lots of mundane things as well yeah Um, and it's it's adapting it so it's it still is okay (laughs) yes yes what would you say your um that you love most about being a parent I'm very tactile so I love all the cuddles and things like that and the closeness Mm. um and like the putting to taking Eva to sleep and and so things like that yeah oh that's nice and um would you say parenting has broken you down lifted you up or a bit of both bit of both I say I'm not the most organized of people but I'd I'd say I'm far more organized than I've ever been Mm. um um, and it's stretched me emotionally (laughs) (laughs) that's a polite way of putting it Michelle (laughs) I love it I ever anticipated I I ever even thought it was even possible um I I didn't think it was going to be as complex a task the complexities are real right because there's so many conflicting ideas and things you have to weigh up um yeah it gets harder when you add more kids watch out (laughs) if you have more it's like oh god we've got another child make another compromise necessary right Um, (laughs) i imagine yeah um Oh God, what's question number four? Beth, here's where Beth forgets. I always forget this. Oh yeah, I know what it is. It's my favorite question actually. Um, What is the best thing about you, Michelle? Your favorite thing about you? I think I'm, the thing I like most about myself is that I feel like I'm fairly open. So I am, um, I think if you, because I'm willing to try things, and I'm willing to look at how other people do things and um, give it a go, essentially. Uh, you know, be that mm. food or like travel or or whatever. I just I just feel like I I think having an open mind just opens up yeah. doors. Essentially, that's what I value mm. most about myself. I'd say. Oh, that's wonderful. And um, finally, um, the question that has been in my head for a second and then it jumped out and it's coming back again (laughs) excuse me um what do you think the most important important job of a parent is 
for me it's it's like providing stability and emotional security um so I think if you get that right um that all the other things will follow right essentially. so um you know I think if if there's like a stable happy home within you know within the realms of what you can manage I think mm-hmm. that everything else will kind of follow got it that's so wonderful thank you so much for coming and chatting with us today Michelle it's been lovely to meet you and hear all your stories um and yeah good luck with them um, with the future and hope it all goes swimmingly yeah you too Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast with me, Beth Hardy. And if you want to connect with me more, you can get along to any of my socials, Your Family Wellbeing Coach on TikTok and Instagram. And you can find me at Stop the Triggers on Facebook. I hope to connect with you very soon. If you have a question that you want answering, we might be able to do a podcast all about that. So please do drop me a line. I'm so grateful for everyone who listens to this podcast see if you can rate and subscribe so we can make it bigger and better every week